Hey, it's Sam here. Welcome back to the cast. Hey, do you go to our church and uh, have you checked out morning prayer yet? Because I really think you should. It's 6.30 a.m. every Wednesday at Stanley Park Community Church. We would love to see you out there. It's such an important part of our weekly rhythm as a church. And so we really do encourage everyone to make it if they can. We'll see you there. As for this podcast, the views and opinions expressed on this show are those of myself and Pastor Mike and may not necessarily represent the views of C3KW. With that being said, enjoy! Mike, has, uh, has anyone ever called you Father Mike? Nope. As opposed to Pastor Mike? Uh, I don't think so. Minister, I got... No one's ever called me Father. How about Preacher Mike, Brother Mike? Uh, not like seriously. I think people just do that kind of because they're trying to be funny, but... All right. Well, Matthew 23, 9, call no man Father. Those Catholics. That's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Those Catholics, they're still doing it today, still calling a man father. Yep. Does um, do we do we think we read that verse just differently than the Catholics do, or do you think they're just like flippantly disobeying God? I have never thought about it, like yeah. on like a deep level. Right. Yeah. To be <laughs> to be honest, yeah. I think um, well, the Bible also talks about how with the spirit of god in us we won't need teachers anymore i think it's in james or something like that no we definitely need teachers and we still need teaching so there's the idea of like the revelation of grace and things like that and and so when jesus saying don't call any man father um i'd have to do a little more digging like i'm like i've just never thought deeply about that or has not come up in my preaching yeah. not because i've avoided it anyway just like just yeah, it doesn't seem I just haven't done it. To you, um, yeah. Which, by the way, pastoring one hundred and one, we don't know everything, guys. Yeah, that's true. Um, if you ask me a question and I don't know the answer to it, it's not because he's a bad pastor. Ho- well, hopefully not. I'll just go like I'll go probably read about it later. I probably won't, won't read about this one until someone asks me again. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I've no like I I've always I have had that question though. Like, why do they do that when there is that like explicitly stated? And I know you're a little more leaning to the Catholics. I don't know if you have an answer for that, but. Um, I've read some things before, and to be honest, I honestly forget what their justification was. I I don't remember. It seemed fine. It seemed like a fine justification. But it's, it wasn't well, again, like, I, we, we have to see the context of the verse and what Jesus is actually trying to say to people. Because again, remember biblical interpretation, right? There's there's kind of like three main rules. Yes. Context. Yep. Context. <laughs> and then third one is that the clear interprets the unclear so whatever we know to be true helps interpret the which we don't know to be true or no, no yeah that was said wrong but you know what i mean right that what we know for sure helps us deal with the things that we are get kind of lost um in different hard passages of scripture so if you're ever wanting to figure stuff out context context and let the clear stuff guide you yeah yeah that's true well it's just crazy though like you know it was only in 1517 that uh that christians actually learned how to practice the faith correctly all Christianity that existed before that was was wrong and heretical. 
Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but did you know that up until 1517, when they discovered how to uh, practice Christianity correctly, that they believed that uh, when you took communion, the body and, and the blood of Christ were, were literally there in the, in the bread and the wine, that uh, you're actually eating Christ's body. Transubstantiation. Transubstantiation. From John 6, I believe, where yes. Jesus says, eat my body and drink my blood. That's right. Which, again, even at that point, he said as a huge statement, and everyone left. Jesus knew what he was doing when he was saying that. Yeah, it's pretty pretty off-putting. Um, but, Not cannibals. Yeah. I, I was kidding about all the Reformation stuff, because if you ask me, uh, Catholics are, are still our brothers and sisters. Um, but... Uh, yeah, in the Protestant Reformation, that's what happened in 1517, and uh, some good came out of that, some bad came out of that, and um, we no longer as Protestants, I don't think really any Protestants, um, unless you consider the Orthodox Protestant, which I wouldn't, because that split happened way earlier than the Reformation. It did, 1051, I believe. Um, really, those are the only, I think Catholics and Orthodox are the only two that would view the eucharist or communion through the transubstantiation um way i don't know if that's necessarily true i think um like there's new so there's nuance there there's but I nuance think and the there's ones that, i would say like when you think of communion in the evangelical world yes it's way less um revered yeah. even in some like high Anglican and lutheran spaces yep. right where they're like drink every drop and eat every crumb still just because yep. they want to honor what's going on. I've been in some some of those high liturgical churches. So I don't know if they would theologically believe with transubstantiation, which they most don't, reformers knowledge, would never, yeah. right? Um, any Protestant, generally speaking, doesn't. But there's a, a, a layer of reverence that I definitely see that still exists in some of those higher yep. liturgical, liturgical churches. So why don't evangelicals, by and large, uh, treat communion that same way with we're same free baby reverence we're f- what are we free from mike <laughs> traditionalism have you never read the gospels yeah woe but... to you pharisees for your traditions of men so i i i just do think that we have lost some of the reverence for it because i think i think there is like so in first corinthians eleven seventeen to 34 paul speaks like really highly of the like significance of communion Mm -hmm. and he i'll just read this for a bit uh verse 25 in the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me in remembrance that'd be the word that the baptists and everyone would highlight but for whatever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the lord's death until he comes okay we agree i know you use the language of proclaiming and declaring Mm -hmm. um when you do communion with us 27, so then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. So right there, he's he is like adding a lot of gravity and weight to it. Uh, 28, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. 29, for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. Which means, just by the way, that sometimes Christians who get sick and have ailments, according to that, it could be because you're being bad with your communion. Like, that's the crazy thing about that verse. People don't like, like, we read that verse, kind of pass over it. Yes. But that is like one of those cursed verses, which 
it's kind of nuts, right? Yeah. Like, like we don't often, I think we've um, pacified that, but the height of communion is like, if you come and take this on word, like you might be like God, God might be training your soul. We talk about like the idea of training and disciplining, right? For the good of your soul, because you don't honor what that is like that, yeah. that that is a crazy verse right yeah oh it is you could dig it, into but for sure it even is. in that so the way i would say it is is like this um if i took my wedding ring yeah right and threw it on the ground in front of my wife and stomped on it mm-hmm. right i'm treating with contempt yes our marriage yeah my wife i'm not actually stomping on a thing called marriage or my wife literally right yeah. But I'm not discerning the gravitas, the weight of what I'm, what, what that is. I'm, I'm dishonoring it. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would say. What that, what that is referring to in that sense of, when, when I come and I eat of this thing, because even the way that they would do it back in the day, um, arguably at the beginning was way more um, informal. Um, eating bread to get literally, like, like I, I believe there's like you can make a good case that every time Christians met there's a little bit of this breaking of bread together, right? Yeah. And we, like, do we break bread right before this? No, right? No, sometimes we do, though. Sometimes we actually do, right? <laughs> yeah. And and even the idea of, like, does it have to be bread and wine, right? Like, we do grape juice in most Protestant churches, right? Um, which I think is, I don't know, I, like, it is what it is, right? But I remember hearing a guy talk about, you know, if, if all he had was pizza and Coke, he'd do <laughs> communion, right? With just trying to remember, because for us as Protestants, there's a freedom in our remembrance, um, now, I do think, again, as I said, there was a, a lessening of, of, of reverence to it. That's kind of just what we do mm-hmm. versus the yeah. height of Christian worship. Because that's, sense? yeah, because like I think I'm, I feel like I'm, I lo- I'm a fan of the liturgy and I do think that they've kind of rightly ordered it around like the culmination is in the Lord's Supper because we're gathering in public and then we're, t- we're taking this and breaking bread together. And yeah, which is a thing of, again, like in the previous podcast, we talked about personal morality and societal ethic and yeah. how they can be different. And I think just structurally, right, trying to do communion every week in the context of a large church is difficult, right? It's not impossible. It's just a little difficult, right? Which is why I think connect groups are so important to literally, and I do think connect groups should have food about them, right? For the table idea. Yeah. But there should be no reason why connect groups shouldn't be having communion every time that they meet. Why not? Right. And and, and so I do think that. Um, plus, the the I would also argue there's other things going on here, right? Because typically in, and this is a generalization, so just I don't know what it is, in some of the more higher liturgical even catholic kind of stances right only those part of the community right are allowed to have communion yes right that's right which Which sucks for me when i go to mass well but here's the thing (laughs) exactly right are you in the faith or not yeah that's right and so it becomes more of a an an arbiter of the in right and i'm allowed to be in or not and it creates a false sense of faith well hey the priest that i can take this yeah well, you're also do, literally doing what Paul said you're not supposed to do. Yes. Taking it in an unworthy matter. That's cause, true. Cause, yep. And so the, the, I think that the idea, the worship of the worship of Jesus through communion, because it is an act of worship and it is ultimately the central part of Christian worship, right? Is the remembrance of his death and for us, the resurrection, 
right? Because that's the thing, communion, right, is reminding us of the blood-bought salvation we have, right? Because even Paul says it proclaims his death, that God died, right? But um, for us, we know that it's also part of the story, the narrative of resurrection and hope that I'm, I'm in now. And that is the central theme. Like everything should be coming back to that, right? That God saved us by his death on a cross, right? Yeah. And, I, and so I think there is, there is a lesson for the Protestant church, but there also is a lot of beautiful freedom that we've found with it too. So I, I do want to, I feel like we still need to differentiate the Protestant and the evangelical because those are two different yes things. actually you're right yeah you're right you're right, you're right. because the evangelical yep. church would be like less bound by well they would be less bound by the the sacramentality yes except for except for um human tradition see this is the funny thing so you know, a lot of times, and I've, and I'm not, and I don't want to just throw the Baptists on the bus, but I've experienced this mainly in Baptist churches, um, where communion Sunday is like a special Sunday. And, you know, um, you know, you got to dress better. Yeah. And, you know, you can't take communion if you're wearing a hat because it's irreverent to the Lord. Oh man. Right. And it's like, you, you can come and you can sing, but the moment communion comes out, take your hat off right? As if the whole thing's not worship. And, and, and there is this, there is ceremony around it, but not in the same way. So that's the funny thing about it is it's a different kind of ceremony. So, so now, you know, in, in some of these churches, right? If you don't belong because you're wearing a hat to communion, right? Right. And, and so there is a certain thing like that where, where we're, I think on both sides and all of it, it just looks different, right? I do lend my heart to a every week communion, I, like, I would love that. I know it, it logistically it's a little difficult and, you know, in, in whatever. I, I don't know, man. I've been to some pretty huge Catholic churches where they did it. They it's just had true. to have a lot of people handing it out. It's true, right? It's po- I'm not saying it's impossible. Yeah. Um, and, and usually, like, the only reason why I, I don't think, like, we don't do it every week is because I have to say for two reasons. One missiologically right and, and, and methodol methodologically i believe there is more to the gathered church in the modern day than sort of what we read in like colossians and things like that where it's like we're just gonna get together in a home and sing some songs pray some prayers and share our testimony yeah right um and and, and, and but the thing is we must have that in in the church yeah right and so for me Part of it is what are, what are the elements of Christian kind of worship, right? We have the we we have the musical prayer element, right, from the Psalms and even mimicked in the New Testament. Yeah, not mimic, that's the wrong word, but brought on um, the preaching of the word, like that is evident in yep. Paul's writings in the, just the way the church works. It's preaching the word, yeah, and in the sacraments, right? Mm-hmm. And we believe we have two, right, baptism and, and um, communion in the Eucharist, the Lord's table. Yeah. And I think that everything should be woven in that, right? right? So the sacramentality of worship is that we preach with the cross and we sing with the cross and we do the cross. But for me, and this is, and I could be wrong. So I'm like, I'm putting this, but for me, because I tend to want to like sacramentalize more communion, 
there's there's a part of me that's like the more we do it the less special it becomes right which is probably wrong saying that out loud but because i know that for us as a church right we also never ignore the cross like yeah. part of our thing is that we are and this is going to sound like we're so special but we're not but we're like just the way that we preach right is you know gospel centered we're like christ centered we 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 tend to sing um songs like when Ivan and I are talking about it that you know, we 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 want it to be kind of like thought through and we chose these songs for a reason and and not that no one else does but like I tend to really get behind songs that make much of the cross more than anything else the triumph of the cross right. the, the hope of the cross I tend to preach along that like you know one of our lines we use a lot is empty tomb full hope right because it's the idea of the centrality of the Jesus story and 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 all these different things right so I think for us, and we do it now in two ways. So we do it twice a month, right? During the team rally and then once in public worship. Yeah. Because I do also think, right, in the modern world, right, we are not only Christian gatherings, right? Yeah. And, and in a mixed gathering, I do think there is an element of deference to say, hey, we are going to be aware that you're in the room and you shouldn't take this. Now, the way I get away with that on like Sunday morning, right, is I'll say, don't take it. Yeah. Right. Like I, I, I won't like, we're not going to get people to stand up and like come to the front and like the, get the blessing of the cross or whatever. Like we, I just say like, <laughs> like we believe this is the truth statement, a declaration of, of Jesus. And if you don't yeah. believe that, like don't, I don't want to make you a liar. I'll actually say that. Yeah. I don't want to make you a liar. So please like, don't take it. Um, and so I think because of that idea of the new kind of like way tr- churches are it like i even preached ideas in the past of having like specific communion services like during the week separate from sunday morning for just the christians and not like a separatist thing but like just to honor it because like there was this thing where if you were not catechized and baptized in the early church you 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 were not allowed yeah to take communion right and, and i don't say and that that doesn't doesn't necessarily flow uh from everything in scripture that was kind of like an early church development from, from different early church writings and, and how they function. But the, the, the high reverence of this is a Christian act of worship, I think is really important to me. And, and so that puts me in a, I just like, I don't fully know how that gets in fleshed out because yeah. I want to give it the proper, I want to give it the proper airtime. I know right. I'm talking a lot, but that's maybe why, like, cause I think a lot of times we just do communion cause yeah. we're supposed to do communion. Yes. Right. I and, know what you mean. and so I want to make sure that when we do it, it's the bulk like, so we're doing it this week. Well, okay, when we're recording it, it's this coming week. And I'm doing a sermon. And as our pattern is, and this could change, obviously, but the way that we, I do it is I intentionally take whatever sermon, I'm, it doesn't matter where we are in the Bible. Yeah. I'm going to end it somehow with communion, right? Because I do believe that actually theologically that's correct. Yeah, yeah. The whole Bible's leading to and fulfilling in and, and pointing back to this moment of death and resurrection, of, of body and blood, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, this week it's Peter walking the water. Yeah. And I'm ending it off with communion. Like, right. how the heck does that... Well, because Jesus pulls Peter up out of the chaos, um, typed into the sea, because they believe the sea was like this this image, this metaphor of chaos and death. And Peter says, Lord, save me. He pulls him out of that yeah. and walks into life. The resurrection, the, the God of life who walks on death pulls Peter out after a confession of, of need. That's communion. We can talk about, right? And so that's kind of how, how we do it. Um, to, and, and I don't know, does that save its reverence? Maybe maybe I'm just a young, dumb Protestant pastor, but like, <laughs> right? And, and so I don't know, like I think that, 
I think that we have lost some of the reverence of it. So I try to bring that back as much as I can within the context of the new embodiment of church, which is intentionally what we say is our church seeker aware. Like we are not seeker sensitive anyway. Like if you come to our church, yeah, it's not seeker sensitive, <laughs> but I'm seeker aware. And I want to make right. sure that's part of what we're doing. We know that you're in the room. We know we want you to be in the room, but we want you to see us do our thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, yeah, and part of that, I think, is also like we used to do communion at, at our heart and soul nights or team nights whenever we called them back then to kind of have that little bit of like this is a reverent thing it's a different thing now we do it at team rally yeah because we believe it's part of the discipline of our faith encountering jesus in the in the communion we believe he's present in it um so i think there's different ways we're honoring it yeah. you know um do i think that it's literally the blood and body of jesus transubstantiation things like that well i'm protestant so yeah so, so that is where I want to dig a little bit into the theology of it too, because uh, like I just want to know what, like what we do with John six, um, where Jesus said to them, "Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For the f- for my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me." and I in them. Um, and this is this is funny. I was listening to a Catholic podcast this week where they were talking about, um, like they obviously do it every single week, and the priests actually probably, I believe they do it every single day because the priests say Mass every day. Um, but on Sundays, um, they're saying like, don't be late for Mass because this whole thing, like everything is all leading up to this moment where you get to now receive Jesus and walk and then go from this place having received Jesus. And they were talking about like how they hate people that come come uh, late or leave early, like right when they receive, when they, oh, I got Jesus, I got my, my magic token, and now I can go walk. Um, but the, just this idea of like Jesus being present in the communion and that being like necessary also. Well, both sides believe Jesus present. Yeah. The issue is the, on the nature of the symbol the well like the unless well so let's if you can hear me typing because we're opening up john six yeah right? we're looking at notes here so the whole the context of this okay is um so he's he's fed the five thousand yeah with what bread yep right great provider and then at the end of it they say after people saw the sign the sign being the bread and the fish multiplying Right, but the, but John and the other gospels tend to focus on the bread specifically because bread is always a, a common metaphor in the Bible for teaching for for Jesus things like that, All right? And they say they saw the son, and now they know that he is the prophet to come into the world. Yeah, right? the prophet being, um, in this case, um, it's the the Messiah, the one that Moses predicted would come, and God says, so like, hey, you're the guy we've been waiting for. So they come to try to make him king by force. So they're coming up saying, hey, you're the guy. You've, you know, you gave us manna, you gave us bread, you yes. provided the good shepherd, right? Yep. And he and he sends them all away and like goes up the mountain, hides away and he prays. And then we get into Jesus walking on the water, coming to um, the disciples, right? And in Matthew, we in we hear how he says, you know, he comes out to them and says, I am, right? Ego I mean in the Greek. And we know as Christians because of the, because of the resurrection, that, that, that means that that's hearkening back, not just saying, hey, it's me, it's it's I am, it's the Yahweh, it's the, it's the right. revelation of God. So he says, I'm God walking on the waves, right? And Matthew and Mark, they, they worship him. Jewish guys start worshiping Jesus. The, 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 so now there's this revelation of he is the provider, God who just gave us bread, right? Yeah. And the bread is, is the bread of life. The teaching is the metaphor usually, right? 
Then, it, then he reveals that I'm also the God of life, right? Walking over the water, walking over death, conquering all this stuff, right? And then, um, and, then, and then John says on the other side, right? The next day, the crowd are there and they're waiting for him, right? Uh, because they wanted him to be the um, king. And, and when Jesus doesn't show up, right? They start searching around for him, right? Yeah. So, so again, I want you to, so he gave them bread, yeah. right? They wanted him to be king. Yes. That's the context of this, right? And then when they found him, yeah. so the same crowd that just trying to force him to be this messianic king because he provided literal bread comes and says, hey, how'd you get here, right? <laughs> and all this stuff. And he starts talking about how he is the bread of life. Um, in fact, John, in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life, right? I am that guy. I am that, right? And then he talks about a bunch of other stuff. And I believe it's in, it's in before that, right? And, and he says, stop going by myself. Verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father sends he draws me. Is written, they'll be taught by God. Everyone has heard the Father uh, learned from him comes to me no one has seen the father except the one who is from god and that's obviously himself for very tell you the truth the one who believes has eternal life and he says and i am the bread of life that your ancestors right your ancestors ate man in the wilderness yet they died right right and the manna comes up again at this right yes so this idea yeah. of the, the man and the bread of life these things are going on right but he but he says verse 50 but here's the bread that comes down from heaven which anyone may eat and not die right yeah me I am the living bread that came down from heaven. We are right. right there. We know it's a metaphor already, right? Okay. I am that manna. I am that living so bread. So would right? this be like very similar to like the woman at the well and the living water? Yeah, right. Well, because he says, because he goes, um, whoever eats this bread, again, talking about himself, yeah. will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the world. So then you can say, well, see, right? Eating of the flesh is literally this cannibalism, right? And the Jews begin to argue, and, and, and this is funny because they, they go where ultimately the Catholic transubstantiation goes. And they're like, well, how can this happen? How can a man give us his flesh to eat? How can we literally eat him? And they're like, guys, right. you missed the point. Manna from heaven, I just gave you bread. You're trying to make me king. No, like, like this is not what it's, it's not about the bread. Yeah. Right? It's about my sacrifice, ultimately. And then the, and then we get the communion kind of thing where you where, where you read, um, where it's whoever eats my flesh. And then the next thing is, so on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is hard. Who can accept it? And where they're grumbling, he says, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before, if, if you watch me go, right? He says, the Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing, which... In this case, by the way, um, there would be a play on the idea of flesh and what that means, and we can get that into later. Right? Yet, there are some of you who do not believe. Jesus said no from the beginning, which of them did not believe and who would betray him. So he went to say, this is why I told you no one can fall unless this enabled me. So again, he's already then tying it back to the earlier thing of he is the bread of life. Wow. So again, it's it's the metaphor yeah. that we got to see. And then from this time on, his disciples, many of his disciples turn back, right? Yeah. So this whole episode, right? It yeah. says he knew... So he uses this thing to purge his disciples, <laughs> right? Yeah. Which, that's not very loving, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. But, but, but is it not that he would say, hey, you actually don't understand me? Yes. And I want you to. Because here's the thing. How can you love someone while letting them live in, 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 in lies? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like he's trying to expose. So I believe so they can come back. They can see it. And the disciples like, I, I don't know. He goes, do you want to lead me to? And Simon Peter, right? Being Simon's like, oh, God, where else do we got? Yeah. Right? And he, yeah. then he says this. And you're, you have the words of eternal life. But before, right? Yes. What, what brought eternal life was the bread of life. 
So you could also argue that the bread of life is the words, the teachings of Jesus, the way of Jesus. Now, again, it's hard to make that one for one when you have the, uh, you know, eat my flesh and drink my blood part, right? Because he is using the idea of himself as that in that 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 metaphor, that living metaphor. Um, but I, I don't think in the context of that, you can just say, you either have to be what the Jews said, well, who can do this? Right. Which was wrong. That's the point. Like, they got it wrong. That's yeah. not what he was trying to say. They were just taking it literally. Okay. Right? Because um, they're, they're being corrected there. Um, but at the same time, if you just took that one chunk, 53, right, to 59, and just said, well, obviously, we're supposed to, like, literally drink and eat. Well, we are remembering him, and yeah. we're eating of what he did. Right. So I think, do I think that the Catholic tradition which you could argue would be longer than simply the modern Catholic church. Like I have never studied necessarily the, the full extent of the doctrine of transubstantiation. Um, Cause most stuff in the church, by the way, has never been fully agreed upon. There's yes. always been disagreements and right. other than core things, we have the earliest creeds and even in Philippians, early hymns that speak the divinity of Christ and all those different stuff, by the way, yeah. Um, that like, I don't think they're like, like, like heretical for this belief. I don't think it's right. like, a, it's, a, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It, it's just, I just don't think it's, I think it's an unnecessary belief. It's not like, a, it's not a salvific thing. No, like, well, what, like, cause, cause the issue is like, well, are you cannibals? But like that literally yeah, yeah, is yeah. what some of the Roman people thought, yeah. right? Like are these people can eating the flesh and blood and like, no, right? So how do we say, well, it's a spiritual reality that happens after you, like, yeah. or it's a sacrament. Jesus is present. The spirit is in there, right? It's a place yeah. of encounter. Yeah. And we go from that. So that's where, like, you know, why when we talk about it being a place of encounter and, and dis- a discipline and worship, I do think we should do it more than once a month. Yeah. Right. Like, and that's why for us, we yeah. do it at least twice com- corporately. Right. But that's not to say that, again, connect groups. Even, I've even thought about this, like, for our, like, our home family. Like, yeah. why don't families do communion? Do communion together. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. it's central to who we are as a family. Yeah. Right. So even the idea of, like, where do you, because at the end of the day, the early church was a bunch of families and groups that met together. Yeah, small, I don't think right? it was just Sunday mornings they were meeting. Right. To it, it, was, it, was probably, it was probably way more often. Yeah. Again, I, I've never studied specifically the practice of communion in church, all, other than a few of the like, later early church kind of father stuff, where yeah. there was very, like baptism and, and communion were very kind of protected and revered in, in almost a exclusionary way, which... I don't know. Some, sometimes I'm drawn to that. Yeah. Because <laughs> it kind of is so, like, it, I don't know. Sometimes I am. Sometimes I'm like, ah, that, that I don't like that. What do you think of like what John Wesley thought of communion? Um, well, tell me what he thought. He believed the Lord's Supper to be, and I quote, the grand channel whereby the grace of his spirit was conveyed to the souls of all the children of God. So not literally the blood and body of, his, of Christ necessarily, but like this means of grace. Oh, well, 100% is a means of grace. Okay. Like, so is baptism, so yeah. is prayer, so is reading the Bible, right? Like, so we, like, the issue with the Protestant world and evangelicalism is the idea of, like, we don't like um, the idea of talking about how grace works. Right. Right? And, okay, I say We're that... claiming, g- like, final Generally, right? Over. I don't mean, like, pastors and theologians, like, never... I just mean like there's a general ethos of like grace versus works yeah, for salvific sort of means, which 100% is true. We believe in grace over works, but grace has a work to it, right? Yeah. And there's 
you know, the rhythms of grace and the disciplines. Yeah, I believe it's the Reformed Church, or at least some of the Reformed guys I ran into during school, called the disciplines the disciplines of grace, right? Oh. Which, which I really love. Yeah. Right? And so, the, so talking about a means of grace, I don't mean that to say this is a means of salvation. Yes. Right? This is a means to experience and encounter more of who God is and, yep. and have him encounter me, which is actually way more kind of like, um, surrender focus. God, I want you to like, we talked about this on Sunday, actually this last Sunday that we were recording this, but the pursuit of Christ and this more of Jesus in my life, like that's where communion can put us in this place of remembering all crap. Like I was broken and we use broken very specifically in our kind of context today. Cause you know, I don't think the modern world has, has a good understanding of the idea of justice and sin, but we all right. kind of know woundedness and brokenness yes. and, so I tend to use that language, I don't, and not because I don't think we're sinful and broke and whatever we are. If you come to church, you'll hear that. But you know that that we that I was so broken that God had to be broken for me, mm-hmm. right? I need to remember that. I need that. Yeah. Right. How do how do I curb pride and hypocrisy? The body being crushed, and how do I keep joy and peace? Yeah. The blood that I that I have, and so like it, it it's ne- so necessary. Um, and so that's the thing. If if you're a Catholic and you're like, well, I'm literally drinking. Well, you're a spiritual cannibal. That's we're, we're still brothers. Okay. One <laughs> final question on that point. Um, do you do you subscribe to this? In my opinion, bad faith reading of Catholic theology by Reformed dudes that when the Catholics take communion, they're literally re-crucifying Christ every week. Because there's, there's like reform dudes that will claim that about the Catholic faith. I think Christians and humans in general um, love being right at the expense of charity and, and deference to different things, right? Yep. And so it's not that, it's not that you're wrong, it's that you're stupid, right? <laughs> It's not that right. You you had a bad idea. It's that like you're evil. So it's not yeah. that. Hey, no, it's not the body and blood. No, you're crucifying him. Okay, I don't know. I've like that's never been a thought in my head. It's been just like why? Like why do you like why right. do we need to why do this? Why does it and, need to be the blood? The yeah, blood, like yeah. like I understand. I just end up at the heart of it. Like the reverence of this thing. Like this is participating in a sense in the death. Yeah, like we talked about another thing in a previous podcast. Yeah which I can understand that theologically. I just don't see that it's a necessary doctrine, right? It's like, I'm not going to die on that hill.